Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the back country to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you faced, or where you want to go next, we're right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. Well, I am diving into another episode of the Her Inspired Journey podcast, and on this episode, I got to sit down with Sarah Lauder, who works for Easton Archery here in Utah, and uh, we met up at the Western Hunting Expo and sat down in the Maven Built booth, and I got to pick her brain a little bit about choosing arrow setups specifically for women, whether you're looking to do target archery or you're trying to prepare for your hunting setup and wanting to choose, you know, walk into a shop and make an informed decision about what arrow you're going to shoot and all of the different aspects and uh, considerations that go into that. We also got to talk a little bit about uh, recapping Total Archery Challenge here in Utah, which was super fun coming up again this summer and just such a fun shoot whether you're wanting to really like test your physical abilities for you know upcoming fall hunts or you're just wanting to shoot in different scenarios total archery challenge is such a good time and highly recommended for anybody who like I said just wants to get out uh, be amongst friends and other outdoorsmen and uh, test the angles test the shots you know, anything from a couple yards to, you know, 120, you can definitely kind of hone in your game and, and, uh, you know, prepare yourself for hunting season. But it was really cool because we're right now at the Salt Lake City ISE show. And uh, Stephen and I got a chance to go and tour Hoyt while we were here. But we also got a chance to tour Easton Archeries, which was super fun because we got to get a, a good glimpse of the back history with arrows, um, just Easton as a whole, and, you know, just all the accolades that they have, and, and the history with, you know, how their arrows started and where they are now, and being able to tour that factory and actually watch the arrows getting built from bare shaft to putting on the carbon to cutting them down to testing tolerances. Um, and the whole production of that was really awesome. And Stephen and I both left feeling like, well, now we definitely see the value in arrows and the cost that goes into them because there is just, there's so many different layers and aspects to producing an arrow, producing arrows that are that high quality. Easton is, you know, making some great arrows. They've got some new things coming out and we were really fortunate to be able to go there. And uh, on today's episode with Sarah Lauder, we do talk about why choosing a good arrow is super important. I hope that you enjoy today's show. Here we go. Choosing arrows uh, is something that I think a lot of women have a lot of reservations about. Oh yeah. But anytime you can like make informed decision about getting your own gear exactly. and knowing why, why you want what you want. Mm-hmm. It's super important. Yeah. So um, let's dive right into yeah, this. We are uh, at the Western Hunt Expo in Salt Lake City, and I'm sitting down with Sarah Lauder. Did you get my message the other day, by the way, about are we related? Oh, my gosh, Kate. I, I totally forgot about it until you just mentioned that. So I don't know. My, I don't. I'm per, if it's spelt the same way and said the same way, yeah. we probably are. Somewhere. So that's my uh, my grandma's maiden name was Lauder. And We've so gotta be. I was like, we're probably sisters from just like, you know, this a little bit yeah. down the line. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and Um so I live right here in Utah actually, forty about forty minutes north of here and born and raised. 
Um, I work at Easton Archery. That's my, my day job. And then I'm an ambassador for Sika Gear. So I travel and do shows with them too. That's what awesome. I'm doing here. Awesome. So what got you into hunting and the outdoors and just having that kind of a lifestyle and having that as a career? Yeah, definitely my dad. Um, my whole family hunts, um, but he's the one who kind of, you know, kick-started it and took me since I was able to. I mean, he took me out duck hunting and in a wagon along the dike. And <laughs> I mean, any, any opportunity that he had to involve me and my sister and same with my mom. I mean, we, we took it. And so I just kind of grew up in it. And no, that was the only thing yeah. I knew. And then um, my first job when I graduated, my first full-time job when I graduated high school, I worked at Sportsman's Warehouse. And then I worked at an ammunition company shortly. And then I've been at Easton almost five years now. And so that's all, that's all I've ever done is work in the industry. So, I mean, it's something you're passionate about and you do it for a job. So Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. And it's fun to have that kind of like upbringing where that's what you did hunting. Exactly. Like for you too, I never, there was never really other girls around, but I didn't necessarily know that it was unusual until I got like into high school. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, there's one other girl in my high school, you know, class in, in my, you know, in my same grade that, that hunts. Everybody else was like, you're going hunting. Like really you're going hunting, you know? So it was kind of crazy. But, um, what is your first, like looking back, like most impressionable, Maybe not favorite all-time hunting, but most impressionable hunting story from, you know, growing up. Um, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd probably say my, maybe my first or my second buck. Um, I was, we do things a lot as a family and hunt as a family. Uh-huh. And my first deer, my grandpa was with us. And so it was kind of cool that that was, and I killed uh, my first deer with his gun that he killed his deer with. My dad shot his first deer with, with that gun. And so it was really cool that it went down three lines and then he was there for it and got to be in camp. And so I'd probably say that that's, that's what got me hooked. I mean, I had been going up until that point, but to, to do it myself and to, you know, have that opportunity, that's where it was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah. It's like that first touch of success, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you, you may grow up being around it and participating in hunts and, you know, tagging along with your dad, but like the moment you pull the trigger, right. And the end result is that first harvest. Mm -hmm. I remember me, I was like, I'm a hunter. Like now I actually am a hunter, you know, I. And then dinner, my mom will pull a pack of, you know, used to pull a pack of steaks out of the the freezer and have my name on it, you know, that I, that was my deer. And it was just like a, even at such a young age, it was like fulfilling. I'm feeding my family. Yeah. You know, it was, that was, I mean, I've been hooked the whole time. That's what, what I grew up, but that was what really just through at home for me. Was it like unusual? Did you way back, you know, receive any kind of backlash or, you know, people talking negative or like, what, why are you out there hunting with your dad? Was there any of that? I here? really don't remember anything like that. Cause where I'm from, it's kind of a more rural area. I mean, that's the norm. I mean, that's just, yeah. there's a lot of that. Um, and my teachers actually, all my teachers had my picture with my deer. My second buck, I shot a really nice, uh, big four point and I was like a little celebrity at school. I, all my teachers had their, my picture in their classrooms. And so I can't, I cannot remember anybody that was not on board. Yeah. Which is super cool. Say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. I didn't receive like, you know, although not a lot of girls really hunted that I was around, there was one other 
um, gal, she was the daughter of my dad's coworker, and she did hunt, but she never like joined us in camp. So I was always the only female and it never really became a thing where people would, I would hear things about like, well, why is she at camp until I got a little bit older, mm-hmm. you know? And then everybody's like, well, why are you in camp with all the guys? You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, cause I like to kill stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm out here to hunt. Yeah. I'm the, here for the same reasons you're here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So outside of that, what is your favorite all time hunting story? My gosh. I don't know if I have just the one, one favorite. I mean, I, I go every year, um, and we hunt with my whole family. Um, we all kind of hunt separate seasons. And so we start from, I mean, we, August, our archery season starts in August. And then we go all the way almost till November with all of our different yeah. seasons. So I can't say I really have like a favorite. It's just every year there's something new mm-hmm. or something that happens or, or new stories. But I mean, just, I would just say spending that time with my family. Yeah. And people really, I really do get a ton of compliments on, um, people who say that's so cool you do it as a family like I, they don't have that or they respect mm-hmm. that and so that's I, I didn't realize how unique that was until you know people start reaching out to me about it and so I think that's pretty cool we get to do that it is it's like the ultimate bonding experience mm-hmm. like there's you know scenarios and it really depends on where and how you hunt but your life depends on your hunting partner Right. And, and you can be in scenarios or find yourself in predicaments where it's like you have to know and trust that person. Yeah. And when you can have that kind of like an intimate, like real life bonding experience with your family out in the elements doing something that you love. Like, I don't think it gets any better than doing that. Oh, no, no. And then my dad, I mean, tough love, too. So, I mean, he, he's not going to sugarcoat anything. And so there's one deer and it already kind of had like not a bad attitude. I was just frustrated. And I'm like, it's getting you know, towards light is fading away. I'm like, okay, here we go. It's going to be a long season. And I think it's like opening weekend. <laughs> I'm like, here we go. And spotted this buck that I had saw the night before, the night before the hunt opened. And I was like, oh, it's getting dark. And I'm already like having kind of a negative attitude about it. My dad looks at me. He's like, do you want to go kill him? Are you, are we going to stand here and talk about it? Or do you want to go kill him? I'm like, okay. So he kind of pulled my head right. And I, we got it done. I shot my buck opening morning, but it was him to be like, quit being a drama queen and yeah. go get it done. And yeah. we did. Yeah. Have you learned more of those pivotal experiences and lessons like, you know, as you grow? I feel like every, every year I learn something new, right? So it's uh-huh. not like, not necessarily about like the patient thing, but it can be like all encompassing. Like you learn a new, you know, tactic for hunting elk or for scouting or for, um, you know, not like calling the hunt off too quick or not staying too long or not pushing the wind. Like, do you feel like you're still, even though you've done it for so long, are still finding all of those lessons oh, yeah. to be learned? Oh yeah. I mean, and then when I started kind of hunting by myself where, I mean, my, my dad was going to go hit a different, you know, area or we were all in the same area, but if I was going to go off and do my own thing, that was hard mm-hmm. when I was kind of first learning. Cause you have to make the mistake to know, I mean, someone can tell you what to do and what not to do, but until you do it and, and feel that, that's, that's ever going. I mean, I still, mm-hmm. every time I'm out, there's something I mm-hmm. could have done or should have done or should not have done. Dana Monroe, actually with Kafaru, we were talking last week and she said, the, you know, the same thing almost like in quotes that you can read and you can have knowledge and Mm -hmm. you can, you know, talk to a mentor or read blogs or get resources for like learning, you know, key elements to hunting. But until you actually go out and you apply Mm -hmm. and you experience those things, like they, it's like 
that knowledge and the education becomes validated through that personal exactly. experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, then it's yeah. I mean, because you're you're getting to experience it and understand. Like maybe you did read that, but I mean, until you're in that scenario and then you feel that, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's. That's what they that were talking about. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And then you go through the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for yep. sure. And it is such a roller coaster. I was only a rifle hunter growing up. And since picking up a bow, I've had to learn a whole new set of skills when it comes to patience mm -hmm. and determination and persistence. Because over the last four seasons, there have been some like, you know, ultimate highs where you're like, I can't imagine that I spent so many years with a rifle in my hand because this is just such... A, a more close experience. Mm -hmm. Like you, uh, you have to get that much closer. Right. It's a whole and new a, game. In a lot of scenarios, you're communicating with animals mm -hmm. or you're, you know, scraping trees or you're doing all these different, you know, tactics. And, but there's, you know, the other side of that where you're like, I hate my life right now. Like <laughs> yeah. this is the most, like, why do we choose like, to come why back? Why do I do this to myself? Why? Yeah. It's like that sickness. You're like, I've been bitten by something and now I have the poison and now I can't stop, yep. you know? Yep. Um, yeah, super fun. Bow hunting is awesome. And actually, I met you, was it last year or the year before? I think it was last year. At Total Archery Challenge. Yeah, yep. up on Snowbird, yep. and um, which is super fun. Those those courses are oh, just yeah. amazing. Blast. Like going to do like a regular, you know, your local range shoot mm -hmm. or something is fun. It's nice to get out there and, and have a little bit different experience. But when you can go put it to the test on the mountain. Oh, yeah. I mean... Well, that, that event gives you such realistic shot opportunities about what, I mean, hunting out west and, and the different mm -hmm. angles and you've been hiking all day and it's hot. And it, that is, I mean, if you're trying to get ready for a hunt or you're wanting to, to figure something like that out, that is the perfect way to do it because that's the, the pressure that's going to be on you, the, you know, the different elements, the angles. So, mm -hmm. so will you be at the events this year? Uh-huh. Which yep. ones are you going yep. to? Uh, I'll be at the one here in Utah, and then I'm, I'll be at Big Sky. Cool. Yeah. Big Sky was a lot of fun. It was so fun. Yeah. So I've done um, tack at Snowbird twice now, and last year was my first year at Big Sky. Oh, my that gosh. That was my first, was, uh, first time at Big Sky this last year. The community of people in these kind of events, mm -hmm. too. I think a lot of people looking from the outside in get intimidated. I don't know if it's just, you know, if they're not in the best physical condition and are, you know, intimidated by actually being out on the mountain mm -hmm. or just, like, putting themselves out, you know, out there with a bunch of other right. people. But I can't say enough good things about how welcoming everybody is. Oh, yeah. And especially with a team at, you know, that facilitates the total archery challenge. Everybody is like, wants to make sure you're having a good time. Exactly. And they check in with you and, you know, how was it? What did, mm -hmm. what shot did you like? What did you not like? Did yeah. you have any issues? Um, so I definitely uh, look forward to going there this year and doing that. Me too. It's a lot I'm of fun. Really it's in a new, uh, they just announced it. It's in a new venue this year. Yeah. So it'll be in Park City this time. Yes. So yeah. that'll be fun. Cause I, I mean, a whole new, whole new setup, a whole new right. course. Yeah. So. Yeah. It'll be good. It'll be nice to see, you know, just some new scenery too uh -huh, and get right. out there and, and, uh, check things out. But, uh, so last year me and Steven and the boys went and I think we took, we each took about a dozen arrows each. <laughs> and the very first day we were at, um, Snowbird, Steven's like, Oh, I'll hold your bow. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. You know, thanks. <laughs> Kind of reluctantly, like, let it, you know, like yeah. having a bow is a yeah. personal. You're like, no, I'm good. I'll carry it. Anyways, he totally didn't mean to, but he ate crap coming down the mountain and he <gasps> fell on it. Well, so the rest of the day, and I think we only had like two or three more shots. I was really off. And I was like, man, 
it's got to be my bow because, you know, before that I was on point, but you never know. Right. Like, you're like, eh, right. it could just be me being, you know, a dummy right now or something. And so the next day we went out and we shot a course and I think I lost eight or 10 of my arrows. Oh, shoot. I was so <laughs> freaking off. I was like, and then it's like at first you're kind of annoyed and then you get like frustrated and then you're like pissed off and you're just like, now you're like trying to prove a point like, uh -huh. okay, I'm doing everything yeah. exactly the same and you're squeezing and it releases and then it doesn't hit the mark and you're like, what the hell am I doing differently? Yeah, you know? and then you get in your own head. Oh, yeah. And so then you think, okay, maybe I'm in my own head because everything's off, and so I'm mm -hmm. doing something. Anyway, so uh, that the next day I took my bow into Brian Cook with hum Humphrey's Archery, mm -hmm. and my, my release was jacked up. My, um, my third axis and second axis was off on my site, and it was just like all cattywampus. So we retuned it and put a new rest on it and all these things. And, um, but so anyways, I went through a lot of arrows, and so do the boys. I mean, <laughs> we're just, that's one of the things about this is they're, the arrows pile up, um, right? Yep. Um, but it kind of got me thinking a little bit more about, like, why I shoot the arrow I shoot. I shoot the Eastern Axis 400. I've shot it since literally my first arrow. Mm -hmm. It's always been a really high quality. They're always very, um, you know, they're, they're very tunable arrows, mm -hmm. super tunable. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're always, like, I never feel like when I buy a dozen, there's, like, always the, that, the bad ones in the bunch, mm -hmm. right? They're always very consistent mm -hmm. arrows, which I really like. Um, but when you go to Total Archery Challenge and you're, like, shooting them into the ground, more likely than not, my arrows usually survive. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, but, you know, it just kind of brings up a point. I know a lot of women, especially women that are just diving into bow hunting mm -hmm. or archery or, you know, any of those things, they want to start doing things for themselves and because they have the education mm -hmm. to do it and to make those decisions. And so, you know, I, w I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit about, you know, for, for a female that's diving into bow hunting and choosing an arrow, we don't necessarily want to be like, hey, honey, what should I shoot? Right. Like, we want to know. Make an educated decision for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And especially when it comes to women who, you know, might be shooting lower poundage mm -hmm. or, you know, have a shorter draw length. So... Let's have you kind of pinpoint, like, what are the important aspects to look into when it comes to choosing your arrow for your setup? Of course, that's just going to be a general parameter um, because everybody's bow is going to shoot a little bit differently. But um, just some key points to look for and how to how to introduce somebody into picking their own arrow. Yeah, yeah. And, and everybody's um, goals are different. And so someone may be strictly doing... Um, maybe they're not ready to hunt yet, but they're going to be practicing and shooting um, or they're going to be hunting west, they're going to be hunting whitetails. And so to make an educated decision to know why you're shooting a certain arrow or, or what you can do to improve, you know, your, your, your already your existing setup is huge. And so for girls, I mean, one thing personally um, I shoot 54 pounds, and so it's it's not. I mean, it's it's okay. It's it's it works. Um, it's not extremely high poundage, and so I'm shooting not as fast as I could be. So for my setup, I go with a little bit lighter arrow, a little bit of a heavier point, and so that I can in total archer challenge, I can make those far shots because mm -hmm. that's I need it to get there. I need to get there quick, and and so that's what I go there. Um, when it's hunting season, I switch over and shoot a little bit heavier arrow because I know I'm not going to be taking super long shots. Um, and so I go a little bit heavier, a little bit harder hitting, 
And so I kind of have those two that I that I jump between mm-hmm. for, for those two purposes. Mm-hmm. So. so before we go any further, kind of outline why that's important. Obviously, you know, you can think about that. The heavier something is, the, the you know, the shorter amount of effective range you're going to have and the ability to have that distance. Right. But with a lighter arrow, you're obviously going to be able to shoot farther. Mm-hmm. But why in a hunting scenario is that so important? Um, so why it's not necessary to be able to shoot. I mean, personally, I'm... There's people that have their, you know, you're comfortable taking a shot out to a certain distance. So for me, um, I would rather have a heavier arrow that I don't need to worry about the distance, that when it it makes that impact, that it's going to be a heavy, hard-hitting arrow than, you know, because my goals have now changed from 3D or, um, you know, target shooting to, you know, an animal. And so it's very important to kind of know. And then with that, we call it kinetic energy. And so when that arrow hits, you know, the animal, it's going to pack a punch and that's what you want. That's what you want to, to help drive that energy through your target so that it's, you know, a lethal shot. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I think for me, maybe I'm just a little bit more aware of it now, but people are talking a lot more about shooting a heavier setup. It Mm -hmm. seems like for a long time, people were really focusing on shooting lighter, mm-hmm. right? So that they could right. use the speed that that bow was creating mm-hmm. so that they could shoot farther. But now that there's a lot more, you know, people are talking about it, Aaron Snyder, Dr. Ed Ashby, you know, they're talking about that front of center in your arrow having mm-hmm. a heavier hitting, heavier all around setup. Right. Um, and really all that equates to is when that finally hits that animal, mm-hmm. it's bringing so much more momentum right. and kinetic energy mm-hmm. with it. Right. Yep. Um, which is which is important, and that leads a lot to the recovery of your animal. Right. I've been shooting a lighter setup, and uh, last year never found my buck. the The shot was good. The placement he he jumped forward as I shot, and so my shot was a little bit farther back. Mm-hmm. It still should have been a lethal shot, but I never found mm-hmm. never found him. Never could recover him. So this year I'm kind of switching up my tactics a little bit and going with a heavier setup, mm-hmm. set a heavier broadhead. Right. Um, because at the end of the day, I shoot my bow and I shoot at an animal for that clean, ethical shot that you can feel good about. Right. It's, you know, it finishes the animal and, you know, as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and, and you can recover it. Um, but so some key points in finding. So say you have, you and I are very different. I'm 5'11", you're 5'3". <laughs> okay, so we, we're going to shoot a very different setup. Right. You know, so talk about, for somebody who's going to be on the shorter side of things, what they need to look for in choosing an arrow. So when I shot um, my, I shot a deer and I was shooting, at that time, um, 45, or 40, just maybe just over 40, when I was kind of st- first starting out the archery um, stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I was at 30 yards, so that, that was fine. I was shooting a light arrow. Um, 30 yards at 40 pounds, that, that still works. You can still be productive with something like that. When you are taking longer shots, a little bit longer shots, or a bigger body animal, elk, if someone's going to mm-hmm. start elk hunting, um, you know, the difference is in mine and yours, you know, setup is you're going to be shooting faster than I am. And so a little bit heavier arrow for you would be more beneficial to you because, you know, your arrow is still cruising. <laughs> right. Mine, not so much. Right. Right. Because that draw length and for for women who are listening who really don't quite understand that setup and how that kinetic energy and momentum is created. Uh-huh. Right. Obviously, the longer your draw, the more right. energy you're going to be able to produce as that arrow comes uh-huh. out of the bow. Yep. So if you do have a shorter draw length, shooting a shorter draw weight 
that arrow weight really does matter. It does. In hitting the yeah. objective. Yeah. So pointers on what, what to look for, what not to look for. Um, not all arrows are, are created, created equal, equal <laughs> right? Yeah. So what, what are some things to look for and things to avoid? So I actually was talking to a girl, and she's like, you know, I just... She's like, I, I got it. I was a sucker for the pink label. And she's like, it, you know, it looked like something that was made for me. And so I, that's what I went with. I am kind of getting into it myself. I don't have a whole lot of mm -hmm. um, help on this one. So that's kind of where I went. So, um, I mean, to be able to pick, pick your own setup and, and kind of like we keep going back to what your goals are for, for that. And, um, I mean, small diameter too, that has a lot to deal with it. So if, if, you're looking to get into it. Um, we have we have like a, like what you're shooting the axis because it's kind of your middle of the road arrow. Um, I am a fan and a believer of the small diameter. So smaller diameter. Um, we do make brass inserts to kind of help with that. That's a way you can increase your front of center if you're not shooting a heavy all around arrow. To be able to install components that will help get that up is you know is an option as well. Mm -hmm. And and I don't think a lot of you wouldn't know that unless you dived in a little bit more. You know, you can walk into an archery shop and pick up the one with the pink label and just call her good. And there's just a lot more technical to it that everybody can, can learn and apply to their own setups. Definitely. There, and there is. And I think one of the biggest reasons that women, in my opinion, I should preface this by saying in my opinion, I feel like Walking into an archery shop, where we are is great. It's mm -hmm. very inviting. You're, you know, the people working there are very knowledgeable. Women are totally welcome. In fact, there's usually women in the bow shop. Mm -hmm. But depending on where you go and where you travel, that's not right. always, always the, the case. case, right? So for a woman walking into a shop with her brand new bow that she doesn't have a whole lot of experience in and choosing an arrow... It can be really a daunting task mm -hmm. to try it's to figure intimidating. out. intimidating. And then you'll have, you know, somebody working behind the counter say, well, what do you want to shoot? Or, you know, you know, do you want a dozen of these? And they're like, uh, deer in the headlights. I have no freaking clue mm -hmm. what I want to shoot, right? Right. Um, I was lucky enough, I guess, to have a little bit more guidance getting into it, but not everybody has, you know, somebody saying, well, these are the, the yeses and nos, do and don'ts of shooting this particular arrow. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of found that it worked for me, that arrow, the setup that I was shooting, seem to find my consistency mm -hmm. and be able to shoot well. Um, but like I said, for a gal just walking, here's my bow, I'm going to walk into the shop, I need to get a dozen arrows. I think sometimes the the look of it, like the pink label, mm -hmm. can be kind of a, a drawing. Inviting, yeah. Right, yeah, it definitely can. But also, for me, I know one of the biggest factors when considering, like, do I want to switch arrows, especially last year when I started, started shooting with a mouth tab. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, I'm going to be blowing arrows oh, up yeah. left and right. So, you know, maybe I want to consider shooting something that is at a lower pro price point or, you mm -hmm. know, something like right. that. So there's... There's so many different considerations mm -hmm. into, you know, where somebody's going to have this starting place with choosing an arrow or even choosing a bow or choosing the components or, mm -hmm. um, you know, learning about front of center and if they want to shoot something with an insert in it. There's just, I mean. It, it really, the big picture from the outside looking in is intimidating and it's almost overwhelming um, because of the different components that go with different arrows, you know, the larger diameter, the components change. So you don't have one size fits all of a base of anything really, mm -hmm. um, other if it's, you know, unless it's the same model. And so to be able to, to at least be educated too, to look, to research, like what, like reflect, what, are, what am I trying to do? Am I trying to shoot fast? Am I trying to hit, shoot, you know, have a hard hitting arrow and then go from there. And then a lot of it is pretty self 
explanatory. Once you get beyond that, you can look at an arrow and say, okay, this is what it weighs right. times, you know, whatever your drawing is going to be. And then you can kind of make an educated decision from there, you mm -hmm. know, kind of like that rabbit hole. You kind of start to understand and put it together when you see it in front of you. Yeah, because that overwhelm is so easy to do. And then what do you do when you get overwhelmed with or, you know, mm -hmm. can't make a decision because there's just too many options. Mm -hmm. You kind of shut down, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, rather than just looking to somebody who you might follow online or, you know, so-and-so shoots this setup, so that's what I'm going to shoot. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of times we can fall into that. Well, yeah. they're shooting it and they're a great shot or they're harvesting animals. Well, that's great. Well, they're like literally a half a foot different from yeah. you shooting a different draw yeah. weight. So. Um, resources or tips for places to find that education or where to reach out to gain that information? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we have, we have tech support, um, so we can take phone calls and emails. And we do. We do have a lot of people write in and want to just understand, or maybe they have a specific question. So you can always call in or, or email into Easton. My, I can always answer questions. I do have a lot of people that reach out, um, you know, on a more personal side of things, like instead of going into the archery shop and maybe trying to learn, um, I kind of have that background since that's where I work. I have that background of, of what to shoot and why. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which is good so, to have. Yeah. Tools yeah. in the pocket are good. You know, education is truly power. Mm -hmm. And if you can, even if you just pre-educate yourself before you walk in there, I think it's a lot more comfortable of a situation oh, yeah. To, oh, yeah. to then go in there and follow through. Uh-huh. I agree. Um, so... <laughs> The other thing, I don't know about you, but growing up hunting, I was like, uh, we have old grainy old photos, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, what was I wearing? Yes. Holy. Yes. So I had my dad's hand-me-down, or if I got lucky, he would take me to the Army Surplus store, mm -hmm. and I'd get some old hand-me-downs, you know, that were, like, falling off. and yep. some, like, old ratty sweatshirt or whatever. Um, did you have that same experience growing up and just kind of being in whatever? Yeah, and, and it didn't, like, looking back, I see the pictures, and I'm like, Wow, okay, you know, it worked. It, it was fine. And then now, knowing what you know and, and the changing, and I camo clashed so hard back then. I mean, I, I didn't care. It was, these are my pants. This is my, you know, the rest of my, my top, my, my jackets. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they may be different patterns. Yeah. But at that time, I, I guess I didn't care and didn't matter. And thank God technology came around and, yeah. you know, companies started caring about be women being functional and comfortable. Oh, yeah. You Function know, is key. I mean, yeah, we, we went forever being able to hunt in hand-me-downs mm -hmm. or, you know, clothes that were too big or falling off yep. or you had to wear a belt and they were yep. all cinched up. So mm -hmm. you weren't necessarily comfortable. But I think as you get older, at least in my scenario, maybe in yours, as you get older, you start hunting harder and longer uh -huh. and in different scenarios and yep. crappier conditions. Mm -hmm. And that's when it gets really important to be dry, comfortable, warm, you know, be able to go out there and not have your... Exactly. Because your pants are too baggy. Yeah. You know? Well, when you're and when you're younger, you're usually just kind of going maybe on the weekends when you're when you're out of school, and so it's not as important to be. I mean, you're, those pants will last you the season, a couple weekends. You know, it won't be a big deal. And then when you get older and start taking time off on your own and going, like you said, longer and harder, mm -hmm. and you need the gear that can assist. Oh yeah, definitely, and be functional because there's. There's a lot of camo out there and, and, and good companies that have, you know, decent camo. But functionality almost seems to be like, you know, a little bit lower on the important level, mm -hmm. right? 
as opposed to does it fit and does it have a female shape or does right. it, you know, is it cute or does it have a pink ribbon on? <laughs> pink you know, logo, like, right? stitching. And which those don't help you kill anything, no. you know. So if you don't mind, talk a little bit about the Sitka women's line and kind of the evolution of, you know, that becoming a thing and something that Sick has done a really good job oh, at yeah. listening to the needs of women uh-huh. and going, we want to make sure that you're comfortable out there because if you're, you know, a lot of times women are being introduced by their partners or mm-hmm. their boyfriends or a significant other. And so getting out there, if you, if that first few times isn't a comfortable scenario or she's miserably cold, you're probably not going to keep her coming back for right, more. Right. So if you don't mind just talking a little bit about the Sitka women's line, the evolution of that and really their mission with helping women be comfortable hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and our bodies, women's bodies are just different. They just are. And it doesn't always work to just wear the men's clothing. And, I, and that's what I did. I wore, I had a full system of everything men's before, you know, they, they launched the women's line mm-hmm. and it's just, they nailed it. I mean, the, 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 the fit, the sizing, the, you know, the function, like we were talking about, they, it, it helps us stay in the field longer. You're more productive. If you can spend more time comfortably in the field, that is usually leads into being more produ- more productive, more successful, um, you mm-hmm. know, getting the, get the most out of a hunt rather than like, okay, I'm cold, I'm wet, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Well, and two, being in that scenario, like this is the moment of opportunity, but I'm so freaking cold that outside of having adrenaline and being excited mm-hmm. about this possible shot opportunity, I'm shivering to death, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Cold muscles don't do well when you're archery shooter, mm-hmm. you know? So being able to make sure that you're regulating body temperature, not just staying warm, not, not getting too hot. You know, right. there's this, there's definitely there's a technology. There's so much I mean, that I didn't understand back then of why you wore certain things. And there's so much more technology now of, of why, why you're doing, why you're wearing something and, and what different elements change that. Why, if it's hot or if it's cold, mm-hmm. there's different reasons for different pieces that, mm-hmm. you know, assist with that. Yeah. So what are your favorite pieces? Oh my gosh. In the line. My favorite piece would probably be the Timberline pant. That is the most versatile. I can wear it in early season, late season. That's my favorite. A lot of, a lot of the other gals like to wear um, I guess I guess the guys say they over the Timberline they like the Ascent pant because it's mm-hmm. super light for mm-hmm. early season, and I just wear my Timberline early season, late season. So that's probably my favorite, um, and then probably my core, my midweight hoodie. Mm-hmm. That's if a I good had, one. If, yeah, if I could choose, if I only only could take two things with me. Those would be the two things. Yeah, like on a deserted island. Yeah, yeah on, a, on a deserted <laughs> island and my net gator. Those are the, if I, as long as oh. I have my net gator. That's a game changer. Oh, yeah, that net gator is awesome. Yeah, you don't want to end up in the tree stand without that. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> it's almost like that little comfort place where I can like, uh, all right, uh-huh. I'm good. Yeah. You know, I can be cold in other places, but if you can keep all this warm around your face and your right. neck, it's a, it's definitely a game changer. Yeah, um, there's a lot of thoughtful designs that went into to that gear. Not even, not only the women's designs, but, I mean, everything. There's a reason. There's a function for everything. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit more about that, like how they, because I know that when they first started, there was a couple pieces, right? And they, they, you know, more or less did a lot of research and development, especially, you know, in developing something that's going to fit us appropriately. Right. And then it kind of got refined as things do, mm-hmm. right? You, mm-hmm. you put something out and then you kind of get feedback which is something I feel like Sitka does so well is 
really assesses the needs and the feedback coming in from ladies using it in the field. Mm-hmm. So talk about a little you know, bit of those revisions and um, the new product line for 2019. Yeah. And a lot of stuff, um, they actually just came out with the waterfowl, the ladies' waterfowl line, so that'll be awesome. And like you said, they take something and they listen. They're like, okay, you guys are the ones out there doing this. You're the one out there putting it to work. What what bothered you? What, what could be better? And, and making kind of, and it may seem so small. I mean, like, for instance, movement on moving a pocket to a different location mm-hmm. or uh, changing the zipper or, I mean, they came out with a beanie that had a ponytail hole in the back because then you're, you know, it's just little things like that that, you know, fit for us and it has a function for all that. Um, what else? Came out some solids, some solid Timberline pants. Um, I feel like that's a lot more of where, I, I don't want to say the trend, but you're seeing a lot more hunters hunting in solids, like oh, whether yeah. that's solid tops or mm-hmm. bottoms or both. What is your opinion on hunting in solids? I'm for it. I think it's great. I mean, I, I have, well, now that we have the new, the new Timberline pant, I mean, I'll do a lot more hunting in solids, but, um, cause we haven't had that before, but others that I've seen pictures and, and just kind of the, the earth tones, cause they're all earth mm-hmm, tones. Mm-hmm. I, I'm for it. I think that's a topic that's been coming up a lot is now people are kind of going to that, you know, trying out the solid pants or, or tops just give something a little different so yeah yeah well that's nice too because i don't know i just think it gives a little bit more variety for people out there and depending on to what you're hunting what species what your terrain's like Mm -hmm. you just now have more options right you know and having a few more items in the arsenal right which is really cool right yeah okay so i know you get with it like you you hunt hard i try (laughs) i do try how do you prepare for it? Because I know everybody does it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you kind of like start changing things up as you get closer to season? Do you add implement different you know lifting techniques or? Sir, um, so why my, my family we start we go camping and start getting in around May and we are um, so north of here, and we are landlocked by thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of public land and so all, all summer we're you know, setting up trail cameras and hiking in and out to get the pictures and, and, you know, if we're going to set up a tree stand or doing this or that. So mm-hmm. I really can't say I have like, you know, I don't, I don't go to the gym as often as I probably should, but that running that all summer long is getting used to that, you know, on the go and the heat and the mm-hmm. hiking that I say that really does get help get me in shape. And then also the total archery challenges that was a confidence boost, like no other to just get out and hike and yeah you know, exercise and get ready for what, what's coming mm-hmm. in the next couple months. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, we just are going from May till our season opens in August. So just nonstop active. And that usually, usually does it. Practice how you play. Yeah. Cause we're, I mean, we're in the same country that we're hunting in. So, you know, if we're running cameras and, and doing all that and yeah. kind of getting used to it. Do you ever, have you ever had a season where you're like, you know, probably at the beginning of the season where you're like, crap. I am not. Yeah. This is going to, this is going to be rough. Yep. I'm going to have to work for it. Yep. I actually, I think it was probably this last season and I don't, I mean, I hunted a lot. I was, I hiked a lot. I was, I was, I missed two weekends in the, in the mountains, this holes from May to November. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had it. I thought I was going to be in the best shape and I, for whatever reason, I just wasn't. Yeah. And so our first hike of the morning and I was like, oh man, this is going to be a long <laughs> season but I mean it, it only lasted I, that was only 
couple days maybe, maybe two weekends, and then we got back into gear. All of a sudden, your body's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I remember what we're well, doing I, now. Yeah. What's yeah. happening? Yeah. Well, then, because it changes. I mean, when you're running cameras and stuff, you don't have a whole lot of gear with you. You're on your, you keep a backpack with, with all your gear in it, and if you're hauling tree stands. But then when you're hunting and you got your bow and, you know, you are got a jacket on, so it just changes the type of of work that you're doing. It does. And then you're thinking a little bit more about your steps and where you're going and how you're going Trying about to it. Trying stay quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it does, it de- definitely does change it. I've had those seasons where, you know, you kind of get, I don't know about complacent, but you, you're not necessarily driven by some big lofty goal. So you're maybe kind of just going through the motions and then all of a sudden you right. get a season and you're, you know, finding yourself running after some animal or trying yeah. to get to the top, you know, from mm-hmm. the bottom of this basin. And you're like, wow, this is a, this is the wrong place to have this eye opener right now that I am not in the shape that I want to be in. Um, I kind of had a little bit of that last year after going through my hip surgery and I was laid up after having my hysterectomy. And then I had my, my hip surgery literally right after that. It was like two, two weeks or four weeks or something after that. So I went into the season they, they even told me, I don't know if you're really going to be able to hunt this year. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't know yeah, me very you well. Thought. Yeah. Come hell or high water, I'll find a way to do it. And so we, when we went to Idaho for our first, our first hunt was in Idaho. And so we go at home, I'm at 500 feet of elevation and we started and base camped at 7,500. <laughs> so your body's like, Hey girl, yeah, what's, what's up? up? Yeah. I'm going to make you, uh, make you really work for it this year. But it's one of those things where I think if you have a pretty good fitness base, mm-hmm. right, you can get in there and it can suck for, you know, a couple of days and you can have that acclimation period. But then all of a sudden you're like, I got this. I'm yeah. going to just grind through it. Yeah. But with that said, there is definitely an importance of making sure that wherever you go, whatever you hunt, your body is ready for that. Right. You know, you're not just going to like go out and wing it. I don't think successful hunters can repeat that happening right if they're going out there and they're struggling to keep their composure they're struggling to get up the mountain they're so and you know incredibly sore from not being able to recover right Mm because your body's not used to having that element so yeah and and I kind of switched so we have an extended season that opens up on the Wasatch front and it is really different terrain than where I'm used to hunting and so this year I was like oh I need to get up there and go see if I can find some deer and that is what kicked my butt is because I was, I had to wear ice cleats, you know, it was later in the Mm -hmm. season. It was more vertical than where I'm used to. So it wasn't necessarily that I was out of shape. It was a whole new terrain that I was not used to hiking or, or used to at all. Mm -hmm. So that's what kicked my butt. Yeah. It's like, Oh, here's humble. It's coming in right now. Mm -hmm. Coming in hot. (laughs) So what do you have planned for this year for hunts? You know, I, I'm going to end up with all my general tags. I'm, I've got 13 deer points for Utah, and so I, where the unit I'm putting in for, it'll probably take me another five or six years, maybe more. So I'm not holding my breath on that one. So I'll have a general deer tag and uh, archery and uh, elk tag. And then I'm working on a couple things with some friends. We're going to try to do some antelope hunts or some out-of-state hunts. So Fun. Yeah. And you did an axis I did, hunt. yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, so... Last year at Total Archery Challenge, um, a fellow Sitka ambassador, we were just talking and chatting. Um, it came up about whitetail. I was like, I've never killed a whitetail. I would love to. And he's like, you know, you should just come down. If you get some time off, just just come to Texas 
and shoot a whitetail. He's, and we kind of talked about Axis, and it was, it was anything I'd ever known about Axis before, which was not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I just, in my head, sound, it needed to be some big production to be able to hunt Axis. I had no idea that, you know, I was even going to get to see one on my trip. And yeah. so I ended up, you know, shooting a, a great Axis buck, and I was ecstatic because that was not... I'd have been fine to just see one. And yeah. It, so that was awesome. Yeah, I went down there. Um, I bought a one-way plane ticket to Texas because I didn't know <laughs> how long I was going to be there, and I didn't want to cut it short. And so I bought a one-way ticket to Texas. Um, went down there and hunted. I think I shot my or uh, my whitetail the next morning, and I was like, "This is." I was so out of my element from spot and stalk in the mountains to a tree stand. Yeah. And being quiet and the angles and that was a culture shock to me. But then I was like, this is pretty fun. This is some a whole new side of this that I haven't experienced before. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like I said, I didn't even know I was going to get to see, see an axis. And in Texas, you get, in the area I was in, I believe it was five deer tags, three, three bucks and two does. So even though I shot my, my buck, I hunted morning and night, probably five more days, four, four more days. And then just so happens we were sitting in this field and big old axis buck walks out i was totally a little bit shocked at first and then you know your instincts kick in and i i still after i shot him i was like what did i just do how did you keep your composure i don't know and i it's something i've been lucky with the last i mean my hunting career is i don't get buck fever till after Mm -hmm. and knock on wood but i I'm really solid and composed during, you know, while it's happening. And then after, I, I lose it. I get all excited and shaky. I called my mom, and it was just my heart was thumping out of my chest. But after, it's the weirdest thing. Yeah. I, I actually know quite a few people like that. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's And what a blessing that is yeah. to be able to keep your composure. I also know some people, and I've, I've hunted, I've had luck on both sides of it. There can be like this, the craziest scenario where you shouldn't even be that excited, like a, a, a smaller buck, you know, or something, and it comes through, and you're like, I can't keep my shit together. Yeah. And then you have this giant bear walk out in front of you, you're like, eh, cool, got us. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, what yeah. just happened? Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. there he is. It's like, yeah. did I just, did that really just happen, or was I seeing things? Yeah. Do you think that there's a way to mentally prepare for that, to have that kind of, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a skill, but that kind of mindset where you, are focused and you're composed like do you have a mantra or do you have something that you say uh no just I, I i shoot a lot i shoot at work i shoot at home and so i know that if i can just keep myself cool i'm gonna it's gonna be okay i'm gonna make a good shot because it's gonna be it's second nature mm-hmm. you know and so it's kind of hard to replicate put yourself in a, in a adrenaline type situation and practice that way so you don't really get it until you know you find yourself mm-hmm. at full draw on an animal but just knowing when you're when you're confident in your gear and you're prepared by sh- you shot all season you know you you know that when you shoot and you release that arrow it's going to go where you're aiming you didn't pull it out you know a week before the season started and so i think that helps a lot that's like i know this is going to mm-hmm. go well if i can you know make a good shot so. i think shooting year round is is our is our job like we should be shooting owe year round? Them. We owe it. I mm-hmm. mean, you're taking the life of an animal, right? So, 
in my opinion, you're not doing that hunt or that animal or the ethics behind being a hunter justice. Right. If you don't make the time to shoot your bow, you can still be an efficient shot. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I, but I think unless you really spend time and are so intimately in tune with your setup, your components, your bow, your arrows, your shot, the process of it, I just don't think that we put ourselves in the best scenario. We always put ourselves in the scenario that something can go wrong right. if we don't hone that skill in right. all the time. And it is crazy how fast you can lose it. So I shoot year-round. Um, I got busy and was traveling a little bit and didn't shoot my bow for, you know, and it, but I think it was during the winter, so I didn't shoot for maybe maybe a couple months. And a 3D shoot came up, and I pulled my bow back, and I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like I just struggled getting – I mean, I've been shooting this – weight I mean I shoot 54 pounds and I've been shooting it like nothing and then I haven't shot for a couple months and I can't even you know I I I can't practice how I need to practice because I can't pull my bow back 50 or 100 times Mm -hmm. maybe 15 right now yeah and so to be able to stay on top of that and so when you have to make those those tougher shots if you're in a weird position where you have to kneel or you're sitting and to be able to know that you can pull your bow back and be confident from that type of a shooting scenario. Mm-hmm. I get so comfortable that I can tell if anything is even like micro different in my bow. Really? When you're shooting it all the yeah. time, right? You're very familiar. And if anything's funky or if you're doing anything different, you immediately know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for me, if I'm not doing it all the time, like right now during show season, I'm not doing it all the time. Right. We're traveling. It's hard right now. So when I go home and I go back to shooting, I'm going to have to re-like, relearn the ins and get the outs. Get Getting to the groove of it and, and really, you know, knowing exactly everything that you're feeling. Because there's so many different levels of awareness when you're at full draw. Right. Of where everything's at mm-hmm. and where your shot is and, and how you're going through, you know, your shot sequence. And so I'm, I'm a total advocate of year-round shooting. Yeah. I mean, you might have seasons where you do it a little bit more right now yeah. or a little and bit it, less. And it doesn't have to be nonstop all year because we, you know, mm-hmm. can't be after all the time. But to at least be can somewhat consistent yeah. with it. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it's our job as hunters yeah. to be able to do that. So I'm that's why it's so important, too, to stay educated as, I mean, anybody, not just women but to know your setup in and out and so if something does happen and like you said you can you can tell if something's off in your bone you know why well guaranteed you're going to be able to be like okay this is what I have to fix I can give me some allen wrenches there's a couple things I need to do and that's why it's so important to be in tune with your setup is because you can fix it mm-hmm. immediately instead of being like okay I guess I can make it to the bow shop next week mm-hmm. and some things you'll probably have to wait like that on but I mean to be able to be in the field or edit an archery shoot or be like, oh, this is what's going on. Make a couple adjustments mm-hmm. and you're rolling again. It's such confidence, too, mm-hmm. to, to be able to know. Like, I, I can't, you know, tune my bow 100%, but I can tune a lot of my bow and I can recognize the differences. I can go in and make those adjustments. And being able to know that when I go to Idaho and I'm like two hours from anything, you know, by truck. Mm-hmm. You're good. Right. You're like, okay, I know that if anything happens or I need to make these adjustments, mm-hmm. I can do it. Right. And that's not to say don't rely on anybody else, but, man, it sure does feel good if you can do know. it yourself. Yeah, yeah, having those skills. You know why something's happening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Awesome. Oh, I'm glad that we got to sit yeah, here and, and chat about this. Me. Definitely. So I want to send people your way, yeah. especially for those ladies that have questions yep. on setups. Um, we'll put in the, the show notes links to um, making sure people can get online, send you send you a message yeah. at Easton Archery. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, where can they find you if they want to just reach out and chat? Yeah, so I have Instagram, um, Sarah Lauder, it, S-A-R-A-H period L-A-U-G-H-T-E-R underscore. And I, I, mean, I am so willing to help anybody who genuinely wants to, you know, know more or ask questions. And so anybody can ev- always reach out to me. Or if you see me somewhere, stop me and be like, hey, I got, you'd be surprised here when we are hanging out after at the events. Someone's like, I'm sorry to do this. I know we're not, you know, you're not working, but I, I do have some questions for you and I'm always happy to answer them. So, well, it's, it's a passion, yeah. right? It's, it's your job and your career, exactly. but it's also something you're passionate <laughs> I'm about. I'm like, how, how deep you want to go here? Because my eyes will gloss over. I'll start getting all technical. We'll be here a while. So yeah. I, I really do enjoy talking about it. And I appreciate your input and your, you know, you have that education and information. So I can't say enough good things about, you know, you and, and what you're doing oh. and how you're helping others because I try, you know, the whole point is, is it can be really daunting and really mm-hmm. intimidating to think about trying to figure it all out. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that you can reach out to and ask questions to. Um, so yeah, we'll put that all in the, the show notes as well so they can get in touch with you and check out the Sitka line and yeah. what the, you know, the new Heck line yeah. for 2019 mm-hmm. and what's coming out. So, yep. all right, let's go do all the right. rest of this Western Hunt Expo <laughs> let's thing. Let's do it. We're cool. Saturday. We're almost there. It's we're on the home stretch. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks again for yeah, coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, ladies, that does it for this show for today. I hope that you found some inspiration some good advice and definitely some encouragement to take with you on the rest of your week. I'm already looking forward to coming back next week and giving you some more insight, some inspiration, and some tips on how to navigate your best life. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Your feedback is so important to me. I would love to know the questions that you have, any topics or ideas, and your feedback. You are so valuable to me, and I really appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and subscribe to the show. See you next week on Her Inspired Journey.